So how does Celebrate Recovery help grow us, not just spiritually and mentally, even physically, but emotionally? How do we grow in our emotional health and and how does Celebrate Recovery help us in that process? Today, we're going to unpack that together. Welcome to Hope and Recovery, a Fellowship Celebrate Recovery podcast that shares hope and healing to help us face our mental, uh, spiritual, emotional, and even our relational growth journey and healing. Celebrate Recovery is based on the Beatitudes where Jesus helps us to face our hurts, hangups, and habits in Matthew 5 and the Celebrate Recovery Principles so that we can learn how to live happy in spite of our circumstances, in the midst of our circumstances, and live an everlasting life as He promises for us when we surrender and turn our life and our will over to His care and control. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. I struggle with drugs and alcohol and perfectionism. My name is Rodney. I'm the ministry leader at Fellowship Rogers Celebrate Recovery here in Northwest Arkansas. And uh, if you're listening for the first time, that means somebody probably shared this uh, with you. And we say thanks to those folks. Um, If you like what you're hearing, help support us and leave a a high rating and a uh, review and share this um, uh, with your friends uh, through email, even on social media to help us uh, get the word out. But um, got a brother in Christ to join me in this comfort conversation, um, Andy Petrie. Andy, why don't you introduce yourself? Welcome, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hey, y'all. I am a grateful believer in Jesus. I struggle with anxiety and depression, sexual addiction, and grief. And my name is Andy. Hey, Andy. So we were unpacking this conversation just around uh, emotional health and and how Celebrate Recovery helps us to grow in our emotional health. But what are some, maybe we start here, Andy, um, uh, what, what are some things that can kind of uh, stifle that growth, maybe from our family of origin? What are some of those things that we bring into this recovery circle uh, that may, may be, need some attention to help grow us emotionally? Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. I often joke, uh, when I came in to celebrate recovery, uh, I had, uh, a, a very strong pornography addiction that I'd had in my life for a long time. I'd had struggles with alcohol, relational issues. I had a lot of these big things that were presenting in my life that needed a lot of issues. And I always joke with sponsees is that after I uh, found sobriety from some of those things, I realized that I also had these things called emotions that were driving <laughs> a lot of those things that were underneath it. And, you know, as I've come to look at my story, I, I realized that, uh, whether it was in my family or, uh, the different, uh, hurts that I encountered throughout my life, there was uh, a lot of times where I, uh, I had these feelings, whether it was shame or anger or anxiety or fear. And throughout the situations that I had, I was taught how to deal with those things. And oftentimes it was taught not to feel those things and to hide them. And any emotion that I bury is always buried alive. And so it pops out somewhere else. Yeah. So emotions just in general are bad. Uh, and, and I've heard that in 
in church circles, capital C, I'm not not pointing out any specific church, but but just that idea that, you know, never listen to your emotions because they'll lie to you every time. Yeah. And, and I think it's important just to, I think the emotions, emotions are actually telling the truth because they're actually revealing what we're believing. Yeah. And so it's trying to understand, uh, is what I'm believing true? It That may be lying to me, but what I'm feeling may be an indicator of some of those hangups, those core beliefs that, that we believe about ourselves, And so, so sometimes we, uh, in our family of origin, even in our church uh, circles, sometimes we can kind of shut down emotions that those are bad. And, and one of those common ones um, that seems to probably get the, the worst press is anger. Yeah. And what's that look like in your life? Yeah. You know, it's funny just even talking about those messages that I learn about uh, emotions in there, that idea of don't show it don't feel it. It's going to lie to you. You know, mm-hmm. those types of things. Uh, they, it taught me that my emotions were something that were, uh, rather than something that was leading me towards truth, it was something that was always seeking to deceive me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, in anger in particular, I can remember, uh, you know, growing up, uh, I think I probably would have been characterized as a kid with a lot of anger. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I, remember my parents telling me stories about me uh getting angry when people would pick on me one time when i was like three i pushed a kid into the uh into the lake off of a dock one time uh (laughs) just because he was doing something i didn't like and Mm -hmm. uh and you know me having having kids now uh and looking at my my daughter it's uh we don't have to teach toddlers uh to be upset and Mm -hmm. and to get angry it's it's kind of one of those things that's in there and I know for me growing up, uh, I expressed my anger a lot. Uh, and it was mostly in the context of me and my brothers, uh, picking on each other. And some of that was probably deserved. Some of it was not deserved, but what I would end up doing is, uh, because I felt like I was the middle child. And so I couldn't physically overpower my big brother. And I got in trouble if I tried to do that to my little brother. Mm. And so the only it felt like the only thing that I could do in that space when I felt like, uh, my brothers and I were in relational conflict. Maybe there was some picking, uh, happening in between us was to get angry and to yell. And, uh, obviously that was something that my parents realized was an issue. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, in their, in their love for me, they, they wanted me to figure out how to de how to express my anger in a healthy way. Uh, and what I heard a lot from them was, Andy, you need to learn how to control your anger, mm-hmm. uh, which isn't a bad thing on its face. But what the message that I took in from that and didn't realize until years later was, Andy, you need to stuff your anger. Mm. It was this idea that any time that I showed I was angry and I was upset, that was not okay. Mm-hmm. And that needed to be shut down and that that wasn't appropriate, an appropriate thing to express. Uh, and so I, I learned how to take my anger and shove it down mm-hmm. and uh, which doesn't actually dispel the anger that just led to uh, later on. What I would realize was depression in my life. It was that yeah. frozen anger that turned yeah. inward. Yeah. And I, th- I think we want to be clear. We're not saying that. W- 
you know, it's healthy just to be angry all the time. Oh, we're no. Not, we're not trying no. to... We're not trying to say, hey, just be angry. If you're angry, be angry. But but I think it's trying to lean into, um, you know, what what is the anger trying to say? What What is it? Um, we don't want to shove it down and, and ignore it, but we want to listen to it and get underneath that. And um, because, because to use anger as a tool, we've talked about this on a prior podcast, but you know, that James 1, 19, 20 says that we can't accomplish righteousness through our anger, right? We, we can't yeah. use it as a tool. And so it's not that we want to just justify, it's like, okay, you should be angry, get angry and big and loud. It's trying to listen to it and honor it so it doesn't become a weapon and a tool yeah. to hurt other people. Well, and that's such a good distinction is uh, what... What I learned was uh, I thought there was just two ditches that you could fall into. It's either I get angry, I use my anger as a, as a tool to energize me towards an injustice. Mm-hmm. And then in doing that, I end up hurting others with my anger and I express my anger in, in unhealthy ways. Yeah. Or I take my anger and I never let anybody see it. Mm. I de- if I am angry i can't show it and i have to act like everything is okay and so i put a mask on rather than seeing my anger for what it really is if i'm frustrated about something if i'm noticing my body start to get escalated Mm -hmm. it's not something to shame and it's not a tool to be wielded but it's a uh it's my heart and my body's way of inviting me into the message that it's trying to tell me that there's something going on that I need to pay attention to a signal. Yeah. It's a signal. Yeah. Yeah. Cause one of those things underneath can be frustration. It can be sadness even. And, and just, it's interesting even hearing a guy recently tell us that in celebrate recovery, he learned, um, how to be sad. <laughs> and it, <laughs> it sounds interesting, kind of crazy to say it that way, but he didn't know how to put into words uh, or even honor that he felt sad. You know, that, yeah. that's a very normal thing that to feel sad. I mean, if, you know, we feel these hurts from other people or we look around and we see injustices and, you know, am I supposed to just be a glass full kind of guy and just everything is great all the time. And if I don't, then I must not have the fruit in me. Um, I think to get to love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, uh, you know, self-control, all that is, is to organize where I am so that that fruit can grow in me. But, but even sadness, you know, sadness is one of those things that we can shame that, especially I've seen it with guys, but I've seen it with ladies too, you know, that if I say I'm sad, that I must just be a weakling. Yeah. I must not be a strong Christian if I'm feeling sad. Yeah. Well, and that's one thing, you know, to that end, I, I've definitely felt that lie that if I'm sad, I must be weak. But one thing I've, I've learned even as of recently with myself is that some of the roots of the things uh, that my anger comes out in is actually because I've, I'm afraid mm-hmm. or I feel misunderstood. Mm-hmm. And I can think of plenty of times growing up 
uh, whether, you know, just a lot of different things, whether it was with my friends, whether it was playing football, whether it was just interactions with family, like it wasn't okay to be afraid. And as a man, I shouldn't be, Mm. I shouldn't be afraid. And if I feel misunderstood, well, who cares? I I should be, I should be confident with who I am. And Mm. so it's not okay for me to feel like I'm misunderstood in there. Yeah. Yeah, and even feelings like another one that comes to mind is loneliness. Mm. You know, that yeah. when we think about how, you know, we feel lonely. Um, you know, this picture came to mind talking to someone um, recently. You know, I don't know if you've ever seen when they go and rescue stray dogs in the street yeah. that have been abused and, you know, mistreated, malnourished. And it's always fascinating to see when they go to try to rescue them, how they're very cautious because that that dog is, um, it's protecting itself, it's hurting, it's hungry, and maybe it's even been hurt by someone in our likeness. Yeah. And so just approaching them, it'd be easy to say, well, what are you mad at me for? I've, I've not done anything. I'm not the one that hurt you and abused you. But. I think that's what's so key about celibate recovery is we're we're trying to approach those scary spots where we feel cornered and a new relationships uh, invited into our life and Jesus being the far most and foremost important one. But can I trust this and and if this this person of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit God these new relationships say, "Hey, how are you feeling?" It can be scary to even put that into words because if I get vulnerable, anger is a little bit more of a protection. Um, but to get underneath that and say, I feel lonely, I feel rejected, I feel sad. What if I share that with you and kind of open up my heart and you are one more person that steps on my heart? So maybe it makes sense why I've protected that, those kind of vulnerable, soft parts of my heart right yeah yeah well and that's man even hearing you say you know anger is a protection mm-hmm. and for me feeling like i couldn't show even my even my protection yeah to some people if i if i can't even if i feel like i can't share the parts of my heart that are just trying to be seen then mm-hmm. how can i show the longings that are underneath that that need to be seen and it it makes a lot of sense just thinking about my story why those protections are in there and why it is hard to to go to some of those places because being known is tough and uh no matter it it, being known is tough Mm. and when we don't allow ourselves to be known in those ways those longings still they're still there yeah and then we start to try and numb them out or ignore them and that leads us to all sorts of stuff that's good well when when we come back i want to kind of unpack how celebrate recovery helps us to kind of touch on those points and ultimately grow us in our emotional intelligence so uh, with Andy Petrie, ministry leader Fayetteville, Rodney Holmes from here. When we come back, we'll continue the conversation. Stick with us. Hey, friends, we just want to always extend an invitation. If you're hurting, if you feel lost, don't try to face whatever that is, that that is. Join us at Celebrate Recovery Fayetteville. 
and Celebrate Recovery Rogers every Friday night, 6 p.m. for Connection Cafe Meal. And then our general meeting starts at 7. You won't regret it. I've never heard anybody say, I regret going to Celebrate Recovery tonight. Come see us this Friday night. We'd love to have you. Fellowshipcr.org for more information. Hey, friends, welcome back and talking with Andy Petrie. We're talking about emotional health and how Celebrate Recovery helps us grow in that and and just kind of leaning into those protections. Uh, but but just the scariness of um, it, it can be scary to show protections. It can be even scarier to show those vulnerable parts of ourselves, right? The, yeah. the sadness and to say, I feel scared. I feel alone. I feel sad right now is even more vulnerable than even showing my anger because at least there's some form of defense happening with the anger. That's how we keep alive. Um, Sometimes the anger can be used to create space, right? If I just want to be alone and and I don't feel like you're a safe person, my anger may come online just to create distance, Um, but which sucks because that's not ultimately what we want, but it makes sense in the moment. But just just talking about just those soft uh, parts of our heart, the scary parts of our heart and how scary it can be to let people in because there's good reasons why we don't say to somebody, maybe some of those unwritten or written rules in our family system, like don't be angry or sadness and, and tears mean weakness. Um, so I'd like to just think about the question, you know, that kind of comes alive is, you know, when when we were in our growing up years, it's often a question I ask in a, a counseling setting even is how did I what were the family system rules about um, dealing with emotions and comfort? Right. Yeah. And we learned some things that unfortunately we pass on to our own family system. We're not trying to pass it on, but we just learn it and we pass it on. And, and what does that look like? Just some of those, those <laughs> comforts, those, what do we learn about emotions? I mean, we're, we're talking about anger, but we're talking about emotions in general. Just, is it okay to cry? Is mm-hmm. it okay to say, I feel lonely? So what comes up for you that in that space? Yeah. So I, I want to preface, uh, well, what I love about Celebrate Recovery is that it helps me make sense of my story yeah. and my hurts. Because when I can make sense of my story and my hurts, then it helps me to see that my emotions are actually completely logical. Hmm. They're not just these disembodied things that happen to me. Yeah, They're understandable things that come from somewhere. And so when I look at my family structure, one of the things that's true about my family is that both of my parents grew up with abusive alcoholic fathers. Hmm. And so they would be in recovery, what we would designate as adult children of alcoholics. Right. And one of the penchants of that is that emotion is something to be kind of feared Hmm. in those family systems and uh, anger, especially, especially, you know, Abusive alcoholics. Uh, yeah, you don't you don't want to poke the bear. Yeah, in that, and so for or if you're just a, that thought. I mean, in the dysfunctional family, we all take on roles, and sometimes yeah, our yeah. role is to keep is the peacekeeper. 
Yeah. Right. We're our job in the family system is to make sure everybody stays happy. Yeah. And so if somebody's sad, make them happy. Yeah. If they're mad, make them happy. Make them less angry. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're lonely, make sure that they don't feel lonely. And so, yeah, we can take on a role in that family system and we play that part and then it carries off into our adulthood. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that one of the things that I saw in my family that I always enjoyed is that we we always did happy really well together. Hmm. We we laughed together a lot. We were a very we were a fun family to be around. But hard and sad things, we didn't deny that they were happening necessarily in the moment, but we got through them and we never looked back at them. And uh, we didn't we didn't do a whole lot of self reflection, and it was a lot of let's let's deal with the immediate trauma, and as soon yeah. as the bleeding is stopped, fix let's it. keep going, fix yeah. it, and go. And so like. For us, negative emotion wasn't something that we did really well. Yeah. Well, and think about that. It, it can it can sound like we are being critical of our parents. Oh, yeah. But I think it's important to think about, and this is a curious posture. This is why Celebrate Recovery is so important, is, is we can be honest about things that took place in our home. Oh, yeah. And still be honoring, but think about what their family systems were and their family's family system and, and beyond. It's like we learn things and and gradually we kind of take on our own shape and and it's out of survival. And sometimes it's with great intentions um, because, and it's just good to kind of lean into your own family system. Those that are listening, you know, what were the rules that if somebody was upset, what did that mean about you? What what did that mean about your family? Oh yeah. And why would you fight, you know, to the death? Not necessarily, but but to fight to the ends of making sure that you didn't feel whatever that meaning was about who you are because somebody's sad. And if you're sad in my presence, that must mean that I failed. Yeah. And it's just good to kind of lean into what 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 is my fear of what will happen if somebody does show emotion yeah well and gosh yeah that's such a good point and like i i do just want to throw this out there i i love my family yeah. so dearly uh but looking back on my story the reason why it's hard for me to deal with somebody being angry with me the reason why it's hard for me when I feel misunderstood, the reason why when those things happen within my marriage, it puts me in a bit of a tailspin between me and my wife, that it comes from somewhere. Yeah. And, you know, I can remember a very vivid moment whenever I was a kid, I was probably seven years old. And I think I just talked about that dynamic of me and my brothers picking on each other and I'd get angry. And, uh, it was another time where that had happened and my dad was, uh, you know, disciplining me and my older brother because of that. And, uh, he, uh, he kind of gave us a moment to say, you know, what's going on here. And, uh, I remember speaking up and saying something along the lines of, man, I'm, I'm sick of this Mm -hmm. every time that. I'm getting picked on. I, I say this and, you know, and I'm just tired of being the one that's getting in trouble when I'm not doing anything wrong. And, and the way that my dad took that is that I was talking back to him and being disrespectful to him. Yeah. And so he, 
he said, let me tell you what I'm sick about right here (laughs) and went into that. And, you know, I think for years, what I would have said is what I learned that day is don't talk back to my dad, which is a good thing for me to learn. But I think one of the other things that I learned that was kind of one of those unwritten scripts in there is, Ooh, I I can't voice frustration. Mm Mm-hmm. And because if you do that, that's the thing is, yes, if you do what will happen and that's, exactly. that's good to kind of lean into. And, and I think that's good. I mean, even thinking about my own family of origin and how it kind of transferred into my new family system, that if there, if somebody was upset in my home, that meant in my case, it meant somebody was probably going to leave. Mm. Somebody was um, probably going to get hurt deeper than what was being expressed right so so there was this tendency to kind of try to protect that at all costs and i can remember one of my greatest gifts from my wife is when uh just trying to slow down our cycle to understand when she was in distress my body signals were saying oh no it's going to happen again and so what i would ultimately do is shut down her pain Mm. And which would grow frustration and resentment. But everything in me was saying, you can't be upset because that that means bad things are coming. And so one of the greatest gifts is when she was able to just kind of clearly state to me that I'm not going anywhere, but Mm. I need you to hear me. And to be able to make space for her pain. And this is good for all of our relationships. Can we make space? Is there space for the people around us and their pain. Yeah. Can we make space for that? If we can't, then I need that. My next question is what, what are the good reasons why I shut down pain from people around me? And when did I first start believing that was bad pain expressed being bad? Yeah. And you're probably going to get to some trauma wounds in your life that may be good to kind of flesh out in the inventory process. Yeah. So speaking of that, Andy, what, what does that look like? I mean, the inventory process, how does that process, step study, celebrate recovery, how does that help us to grow in our emotional intelligence? Yeah. You know, I, I think especially that inventory process for me, it was allowing myself to go back to those things. Like I said, my family... Uh, was really good at uh, forgetting stuff and moving forward. Yeah. But when we forgot stuff, we didn't fully address the wound. And I am very guilty of that in my life. So the inventory process, it allowed me to take a pause and to look at my life and some of the things that had happened in my life, but I had not allowed myself to fully feel to fully process and fully understand the way that it was impacting me today. The the lasting damage is one of the things we look at when we evaluate relationships and situations through the inventory process is to go, all right, what was the initial wound? Mm-hmm. How, how did this person hurt me? Or how did I hurt this person? Or, or what happened with this institution or situation? And what was the immediate emotional fallout of that? Yeah. You know, when Shane Conway bullied me when I was in fifth grade, I felt super embarrassed. Yeah. But then there was some very strong lasting damage. Yeah. In that. Well, and I think, you know, it's interesting. Sometimes it's not the event that caused the most wound. Yeah, it's 
how somebody responded to me when I invited them into the event. Yep. Right. So I was, you know, this happened. And when I brought it to my mom to tell her about it, she shut me down. It's like, well, quit worrying about that. That's not a big deal. And then you learn through those unwritten, those, those unwritten rules that, Oh, it's, it's not safe to talk about pain. And that's yeah. what I love about the inventory process is it gives us space. And it's always funny when we have a, you know, a kind of a feelings chart. Yeah. And it's like, it's like, I don't know what I feel. And, and I just want to honor that. If you don't know what you're feeling, that don't shame that. It makes sense. You've never had space to talk about this. So how could you put this into words? Right. So give that space. It's, but look at that, that chart and it's like, which one of these really resonate the most? When I read it, when I'm talking about this event, what's the feeling that I'm looking on this chart here as I'm doing my inventory that really just jumps into my body and my heart and goes, Ugh, that's it. That's what I'm feeling. I never knew the words to put to that, but that's what I'm feeling right now. And to be able to say that with a trusted brother or sister in Christ, it's a game changer to say, I'm not going to minimize this. This happened and it made me feel rejected. Mm. And saying that out loud, I was like, oh, I never realized that I felt rejected. No wonder I was responding with these big emotions because I never got to the heart of what it was like to be left alone and abandoned or rejected. And, and I need to put that into words. And even that would that make me think about myself and even other people and how did that create these unhealthy coping strategies to block people out, to not be vulnerable with anyone, to not let anyone into my pain that ultimately led to some unhealthy coping strategies that just created a ripple effect into my own family system. Right. Any thoughts yeah. on that? Yeah. I mean, there, there's a lot of thoughts that come to my mind when you're <laughs> saying that, but, uh, yeah, it being able to to give space to feel it so that then I can understand the message that it told me. Yeah. And how I still hear that message today in so many other situations. Yeah. Was huge for me and to realize that when I when I hear somebody at work tell me that I'm not doing as good of a job as I should be. Yeah. That's not just their voice that I'm hearing. There's but a lot it's of voices. dozens of other voices. Yeah, yeah. Throughout the course of my life. So to that point of we're talking about, you know, the emotions aren't lying. They're actually revealing what we're believing. Yeah. <laughs> Just put, putting that out here on the table. If I said, Andy, you're inadequate. Mm. What's some feelings that come up in that place of feeling like and believing you're inadequate? And there's the first two that come up is fear and shame. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. first, yeah. And fear of what? Fear of rejection. Yeah. Fear of, uh, there's already some deep underlying insecurities yeah. that, that I have throughout my life that say, man, people are fooled by you. Yeah. And you better keep this act up. Yeah. Uh, Otherwise, they're going to figure out who you really are. <laughs> yeah. So just imagine, and it's hard to even say that out loud, Andy, you are, I mean, knowing yeah. that you're not, but just wanted to put some skin on that because if I believe I'm inadequate, now I'm getting into uh, lots of fear, rejection, 
and just understanding the my part part of the column right now someone that feels inadequate that brings up that feels sad to feel inadequate to fear and all that stuff they're probably going to find themselves in the my part that which we're we have to be accountable for and take responsibility for i probably in slipping into people pleaser mode yep perfectionism control right yeah no i'm laughing because those are all parts of the my part column on my inventory with that you know it's and what's funny is even thinking through the hurt when you said inadequate it brought me back to fourth grade cheating on a semester's worth (laughs) of spelling tests man uh but that was a real thing in there and that's just an example in my life putting skin on it of how man i i cheated to get an a in spelling in fourth grade yeah and that got me put into some gifted classes in fifth grade. Oh gosh! And oh yeah, it was uh, man. It's, Talk about misery. Oh yeah, it's like it's a like, sitcom wait, episode. This is not what I uh, meant by this. Yeah, <laughs> I had a different plan. Yeah, and but so that sense, of, it's amazing how quickly those things get formed into our identity. Yeah, and then I've got to keep up the lie. Yeah, and so I, I better, I better Brutal. play the part in yeah. this. And it's not just with inadequacy, but it's also with, oh, anger. Yeah. I can't show my anger. I can't show my fear. And so let me put this mask on. Let me play the part. Yeah. And. Well, I think that's, that's so good. And I just, I just want our listeners to know that if you're feeling something or if you're trying to figure out what you're feeling, (laughs) it's, it's completely normal. Yeah. Um, put it into words. Now we don't want you to become a slave to them just because they are honest in revealing what we're thinking. Doesn't mean we want to stay there. So we're trying to reveal that and get honest. And I just want to, it's a good opportunity to highlight the importance of those, those third and fourth columns. Yeah. The, the, the damage and the effect. Cause now we're getting into the emotions we're getting into the core beliefs. We're getting into our structure and how we see life. And and then we can kind of start understanding and understanding the good reasons why we may do what we do as we're putting that in the my part. And this is why we do it in this order. We don't come in saying, what'd you do wrong? And go get it right. We're actually trying to start back and go, what happened? And how'd that make you feel? And what'd you learn about emotions growing up? And it makes sense why you shove those down. And what, what did that hurt cause you to believe about yourself, God, and others in your circumstances? Oh, and that's why you found yourself doing these strategies to stay alive. Oh, yeah. Not healthy, but it makes sense. Yeah. How do we change that? Yeah. Get honest about the hurt and ultimately change all that. Yeah, absolutely. And what I love, and and you just said it in there, you know, get honest about the hurt and how it impacted you. Honor those emotions and those those hurt parts of you and the messages that you learned from that. But also realizing that those messages aren't who, they aren't who I am. Right. And if we're followers of Jesus, that's not who we are. See, there is a truth and for me, uh, I spent too much of my life recognizing that I didn't like to feel the emotion and trying to go, oh, it's not okay for a believer to be sad, the right. lie that I believe. Yeah. And so just be happy rather than going, hey, 
Andy, this is what God's word says about you, even in this place. Right. And in allowing that truth to reshape the narrative of yeah. my life, that's where the healing comes. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Let God heal that. So great stuff. I love that. Um, we do grow and I, I love the celebration place because it helps our kids to grow in their emotional intelligence. Yeah. Our students in the landing learn how to grow in their emotional intelligence. And we in the adults learn how to grow in our emotional intelligence. Talk about solidifying a new family system built on health and getting real. Um, I'd love that we can grow in our emotional intelligence and health. So Andy, thanks, man. Yeah. Thanks good, for having good me. conversation. hope this is a uh, blessed you guys in this conversation. And, and I hope that you're encouraged if you're starting out earlier in the middle of it, stay the course. It's worth it. You can identify those patterns. What happened? How did it make you feel? And if you don't have the words, don't shame that. Just say, I don't know what I feel. And then look at those words and which ones kind of hit you in your body and your heart the most. Put that down, the thinking, the thoughts, and then the actions ultimately so we can believe new healthy truths as Andy was talking about in our identity and walk new healthy practices as we learn to have healthy relationships like never before. Hey, thanks for being with us today. We hope this has blessed you. If you'd like to join us at Celebrate Recovery, again, go to fellowshipcr.org and join us on a Friday night. Fellowship Fayetteville, Fellowship Rogers. Thanks for being with us. We hope that you'll join us next time. Until then, God bless you.